0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Taking out your Bibles uh, this morning to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah chapter 6, Old Testament book of Jeremiah chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verse number 16, Jeremiah 6, verse number 16, and I want you to, I'm going to read this today from King James. In your app, in your app, that's actually the NIV rendering, but I want to read it to you from King James, Jeremiah 6, verse number 16. And we're in our third week of a series called Winning. Everybody say the word winning. And this this one scripture really tells us how to win. Verse 16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, in the ways. And a better understanding of that is standing at the crossroads. When you find yourself in a position in life of having to make a decision, a choice of direction, when you're standing in the way of direction, ask for the old paths. Ask for that path that is just beaten down. And it's been walked on so long, and it's, it's proven over time that it will lead you to where you're wanting to go. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein. Walk in that good way. Walk in that old path that will lead you to life. And this is probably my favorite part. Of, of of verse 16 if you'll walk in that good way, you will find rest for your soul. And I've been speaking on this now. This is my third consecutive week to remind us you'll find rest in your mind, you'll find rest in your emotions, in your feelings. You will be at peace. Everyone say at peace. Now you might still need some coffee. Because that's not the kind of rest we're talking about. Uh, you don't need a nap. That's not what this is about. This is about a, a comfort in the mind and in the heart and in your, in your soul. If you'll walk in the old way, the path that is proven, you will be at rest in your soul. But then the scripture goes on to say, it goes on to say, and they said we will not walk Therein. And that's really where we are, everybody. We're in a, we're in a day and time where progressive thinking says, you know, I know God's way, and I know about the Bible, and I know that there's a, a proven way over time and history, but I just think it's a little old fashioned, and we don't really need that much anymore. I think we're going to take a right instead of that left. We're going to go a new way, and we're going to try it our way. Well, Look at what it's happened over over time, and our, our suicide rates are up, divorce rates are higher than ever, um, bankruptcies, debt is higher than ever. Our 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 economy is strong in America, but yet families are sinking even deeper. It's because they're trying a different way, and this is our third week in this series. We started out with a very aggressive sermon because we talked about winning at family, doing family life. The way God chooses to do family. And it's not the modern family. And that's not a play on just the TV show, by the way. There's a modern idea of family. And then there's God's idea of family. God's way works in family. And then last Sunday, we, we looked at financial stewardship. And, and and I'll be honest with you. I've, I was so pleased that the response of the majority of this church and the affirmation um, and, and the blessing of, of please don 't ever back down and apologize for teaching and preaching on the blessed life and, and how to live above the, the, the way of the world, and that was last week, and now today, now today, uh, this is something in my heart, and i 've already kind of expressed it a little bit in, in my exhortation time earlier, but we 're going to look at winning at worship. Everybody say worship, winning at worship. And I will tell you, when it comes to family and finances and worship, you've got a target on your back and the world wants to hit the bullseye and see you fail in the godly perspective of worship. The world wants you, well, first of all, hey, everybody, I need you to catch this. Worship is not a choice. You're, you will worship. I just want to show you that we need to be worshiping God and not the things of this life. Because really if you want a good definition of worship, it's whatever's first in your, in your, in your heart. That's all worship is. And, and the world has talked us into worshiping a lot of things that are not biblically sound. And we just need to put God back on the throne of this old heart of ours. So let's get started. I want you to look one more time with me over to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, winning at worship. 1 Corinthians 1, we read this portion, week number one. We did not deal with it last week, but the city of Corinth really looks a lot like our today in America. I mean, they are really strong financially. Corinth was really strong in its intellectual and educational studies. They were real bright up here, cerebrally. Boy, Corinth would hang with anyone. They were very, very bright. But Corinth was very dark here. They're very bright intellectually and very dark morally. So they had money. They had education. But they also struggled in their morality. Kind of sounds like America today. We're doing pretty well. Except our hearts have drifted from the old path that leads to rest. Well... I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 to you, and I want you to hear how Paul addresses them. He says, listen, I know you've got money and I know you've got education, but I want to tell you, for those people, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To the man that's, that's living in sin, what's the point of the cross? It means nothing to him. They think think the message of the cross is foolish. But I'm preaching to a a, a service this morning at at 8.30 a.m. that would agree to this. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Can I get an amen today? Every single one of us know that, of course, the message of the cross is foolishness when we're in sin. But there's a day when we come out of sin and we recognize The only way out of sin is what what Jesus did at the cross. It's the power of God to save. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent. I will frustrate. And it goes on, and I want to read verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Now, I want to dive in real quick here. I'm not going to be long with you today. We understand that all through the Scripture, if you've ever read the Bible at all, you'll know that there's many references to other gods. There's references to gods with a little g. They're only carrying that title, not because of their divinity, but because of what man has chosen to place on them as as a god. And, and to help you out with what I mean is there no, there's no competition with, with God until we make there to be competition. You can literally take anything and everything and make it a little g, God, in your life. You can take a hobby. You can take even something beautiful like Family. You can take education, something very valuable. You can take trends. You can take fads. You can take anything and make it a little g, God, in your life. But this is what the Bible says way back in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy 6. And then I'll read another scripture for you from Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 6, verse 14 says... Do not follow other little g-gods. Do not follow your desire to place anything equal to or greater than me. Do not follow, little g-gods, the gods of the people around you. For the capital letters, Lord your God is among you. He's a jealous God. There is a... Jealousy that rises up in Jehovah God when humanity tries to place anything equal to or greater than Him. He wants all of your heart. You can't give Him a piece of it. And all of us in the room, me included, we've all been guilty of trying to piece out our allegiance. I'm going to give God a little bit today. And, and the Lord is jealous. He wants all of you. Someone say amen. He doesn't want a piece of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want just your Sunday morning. There's a lot of us in Western Christianity that try to live for God for an hour a week. And then we wonder why things are falling apart in our world. We wonder why things are falling apart in our homes, in our marriages, in our families. Because we try to model Christianity to our children for an hour a week. And then whenever we even bring our children for the hour a week, we're not even there spiritually. We're just there physically out of routine. I see it, I see it all the time. I see it all the time where parents do their due diligence of coming to church with their children But when at church, they're not even at church. And then they wonder why their children have no relationship with God. Because they followed right behind mom and dad's footsteps. You can't have an ongoing, thriving, alive, fresh relationship with God for for checking off your box of church attendance. You got to be in the moment. You got to be in his presence. You can't bring big G God down to little G status. Don't follow other gods. And then just a few chapters later, Deuteronomy 11, be careful. Everyone say, be careful. Be careful careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Now, I'm fixing to give you some some cool stuff that I I find fascinating. And I want to talk about these three little g-gods in Scripture. And then we're going to look at corresponding Scriptures with them. And it's been my three topics this month. So check this out, everybody, and for, especially there's a handful of you that will really enjoy this. This is just kind of your way of thinking. One of the main enticing Pressures that we feel in, in the scriptures and now in our current day is the God of pleasure. Now, in the Bible, this was referred to as Shira. As Shira. Some I've heard when you, when you go to certain websites, you can click the, the audible and you can actually hear pronunciations, and there's been two Ashira and Asherah. Asherah and Asherah. I'm from Louisiana, so I'm just going to say Asherah, and and be done with it, because I'm not which I'm not sure which one's correct, but I do know what it is. It's the God of pleasure. Everyone say the God of pleasure. Here's what the God of pleasure is. It's basically this. It's how do you handle, how do you handle your your life, and your relationship opportunities. The first Sunday of this month was about family, and we looked at some really thick and intense scripture. How do you handle, how do you handle your life when it comes to pleasure? Are you, are you following the pleasure of the world that pleases your human natural desires? We talked about sexuality in week one. We talked about sexual identification in week number one. We talked about sexual attraction in week number one. And the world's ways has everything to do with what pleases you. And the Bible's way is about everything that pleases God. And everybody in the room, I need you to just listen to me for a moment. There is an enticing spirit in this world that wants you to be so self-centered, that wants you to be so selfish, that you... Only operate looking for the pleasure of your own self. When I was a student pastor, I would use the term meitis and I look at little 14 year olds in the eye. Now I'm not a youth pastor and I'm still looking at a 13 year old in her eyes. (laughs) Mine. Some of you are like, I wonder who's talking about mine, 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 13 year old. And they suffer from a cancerous disease called. Meitis. Now, here's the worst part. So are you, and so am I. It's a natural thing for us to seek to please ourselves. And there was a little g God in the scriptures. It was a spirit, it was a little g God, Asherah, that the flesh would turn and submit to and worship. Here's a second one. We dealt with it last week, and it's mammon. Everyone say mammon, the god of possessions. Asherah is how do you handle your your life? How do you handle your moment? How do you handle your lifespan, your season? How do you handle your interactions with others? Is it all about pleasing yourself? Mammon is the god of possessions. It's how do you handle your stuff? How do you handle your items? How do you handle your money? How do you handle what what God has given you? And and the little G of mammon is a cousin to Asherah, and and that idea is it's all yours. It creates greed. It it births hoarding. It, it, It stimulates the... The pleasure of, of always taking and never giving. Always holding and never releasing. Mammon as a spirit. It's the God of possessions. And it's not just $100 bills, but it's, it's every single thing that God puts into your life. And you've got the pressure on you in this society and in the culture we are in to worship stuff. The more stuff, the greater success. The more stuff, the greater the happiness. The more stuff, the greater, the greater sleep at night. And it's proven, everybody. It's proven that new path is not working. It's not about stuff. And there's nothing wrong with stuff. Everything's wrong when the stuff becomes a big G God in your life. And stuff never can be a big G until you turn it into one. And and God is calling us to say, listen, stop making pleasure your number one priority. And stop making possessions your number one priority. You need to go the old path, the good path, the path that finds rest. You need to put me first in your life. And then today... Our third little g-god, you'll see it in your app notes. It's Baal. Baal. Asherah is the god of pleasure. Mammon is the god of possessions. And Baal is the god of power. Now let me just kind of work a little bit with this. And, and this is equal this is equal to male and female today for sure, and that is there is a, an enticing spirit that makes us feel as men and women that we really don't need God, that we have enough power within ourselves to make things happen. I don't need God to go work. I don't need God to stay in a healthy marriage. I don't need God parenting. And all the parents said, that's bull. Christine Kane, an incredible female preacher in America uh, from, from where's she from? Australia, I believe. Anybody know? Uh, but, but she was in America in in actually at Lakewood and she said this on, on one of the television broadcasts she said someone asked me if I needed if, if I had to have the Holy Ghost to be saved and she says you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart in America here, here we are we're being enticed to feel like we don't need the empowerment of God that we don't need that we don't need, we don't need that we, we've got it we're good We're good. I don't don't need the presence of God in my life. I'm okay. I don't don't need the word of God. I'm I'm, I'm okay without it. I don't need the fellowship of God's people. I'm good. There There is a strong, dark movement coming against the church of the living God that you don't need it. That you're good without it. And what's happening is mom and dad is buying into this, and then we model it to our children. And hey, everybody, I'm not trying to be fear-based. I'm just being honest. We're just one generation away from extinction in some families. When a 12-year-old witnesses mom and dad basically saying with their actions, we don't need God we don't need church. We don't need fellowship with believers. We don't need the word of the Lord. We don't need worship time. We don't need that. We're, we're doing good without all that. We don't need that. Well, guess what? The 12-year-old, whenever he gets to be 20 and then mom thinks she's going to have this connection conversation, well, you just need the Lord. The 20 year old's going to look at you like you've got mustard on your face and it's going to be like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the church that we've always gone to? Because it's obvious you and dad don't, you're not even, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. Listen to me. If you're going to win, if you're going to win in family, if you're going to win in your financial stewardship, if you're going to win in this world when it comes to power, you better reach further than your own abilities You better reach deep beyond your own understanding. You better dive into a well of the power of the Holy Ghost. You better get deep into the waters of worship and praise and the presence of God. Because I will tell you the spirit of Baal is alive and well in America where you don't need anybody, you don't need anything. You've got enough money, you've got enough health, you've got enough uh, wisdom, you've got enough resource, you've got enough time, you don't need anything. And one day, you're just one phone call away of realizing you don't have anything. You needed the power of God, but we chose not to go that way. We chose to go another direction. And that direction leads to death, everyone. But the ways of God, they lead to life and rest. Can someone say amen? These three, Asherah, Mammon, Baal, they're all through the scriptures. Go with me to the Old Testament book of Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start seeing a, a repetitive sighting. Of these three throughout the scriptures. Genesis 3 verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. Good for food. When she saw that it was good for food. You got to understand the context. God has already, our creator God has already given Adam and Eve the full garden. But when she saw the one act of of disobedience as Good for food. What was that making her, what was the, the, what was the line of thinking? Everything that God's given isn't good enough. I need something different. God's way, not good enough for me. I need something different. She saw that it was good for food. What else does it say? And, and also desirable. Oh, I'm sorry. And pleasing to the eye. Is good for food and pleasing to the eye. She wanted to possess it. When our eyes see something, we want it. Week number one, I told you about Christ ministering to the woman at the well. Everybody wanted to stone her because she was caught in adultery, and Jesus said, "Slow your roll. Don't throw a stone yet. Let me ask you: Has anyone looked upon a woman?" And desire to be with her. And every man in this 830 ought to say, yeah. Boy, you're quiet. You're a bunch of quiet lying dudes is what you are. Or maybe there's another issue. <laughs> Watch this. Pleasing for food. Pleasing to the eye. And then it goes on and says, and desirable for gaining wisdom. Wisdom. I don't need anybody. I've got wisdom. Here we go. There's Asherah, there's Mammon, and there's Baal. What about the New Testament? Look over to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 3, verses 5 and 6 and 8 and 9. Matthew 4, verses 3, 5 and 6, 8 and 9. The tempter came to Jesus. And said, if you are the son of God. Don't you love that word if? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Tell these stones to become bread. There's a shira. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. He showed him, his eyes looked and saw the entire city from the highest point. And he's got got his eyes fixed on on a possession of a city. And, And the enemy to Christ says, you can have it all. It can all be yours if you just throw yourself down. Showed him all the kingdom of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you. If you'll bow down and worship me, you'll have all the power you need. Of course, Jesus avoided that temptation. One last scripture before we turn the corner here: First John chapter two, First John chapter two, verse fifteen. Here is Asherah, Mammon, and Baal summed up to what you know it as. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anything loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man. Everyone say the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the eyes. Say the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. Say the pride of life. It's the cravings of sinful man. It's the lust of his eyes and the boastings of what he has and what he has done. That does not come from the Father, but it comes from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now let's, let's turn the corner here and let's talk about how we win in worship. I know it's old. I know it's an ancient path. But we're standing at a crossroads and we have to choose the good way. We have to choose the way that works, everybody. Are you ready for it? You talk about going against culture. We're fits in a, We're fitting to just take our hand and go up the grain. We're going to rub the nap, David Law. We're going to go Up the nap on the carpet. The old way still works and that is keeping the Sabbath holy. We're going to talk about an action, a verb today. A lot of folks have viewed the Sabbath as going to church. No, it's more than that. Sunday, it's, it's, it's greater than that. Sabbathing. Sabbathing is worshiping, and it's staying on top of the culture's enticing of Baal that you don't need it. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Some feel the Sabbath is a Saturday. Some feel the Sabbath is a Sunday. We're not going to get into the weeds on what day it is. I want you to know what it means to Sabbath. It's not necessarily, you know, because the the day of the week is is, is really irrelevant. What it means is the, the position that you approach the Sabbath. Everybody say, first things first. Keep it holy. And I'm going to give you four quick things on how to do that. The first of which is the word ceasing. In our culture, we've never been moving as fast as we're moving. My my friend Chris Chris Kane's in this service. I was just with him this past uh, Tuesday. Uh, He hooked a brother up and he took me to play golf for my birthday. And we're sitting there playing golf in Arlington, Texas, and he tells me, "Yeah, man, I got to go to Scottsdale tomorrow." And I'm, oh, okay, cool. How long are you going? Oh, I'm just going to be there, and then we're going to come right back. Talk about fast! I mean, who just goes to Scottsdale, Scottsdale, and just comes back? I mean, welcome to the... that is our new reality. David Law's in this service. He just told me, "Hey, uh, man, I can't wait for Sunday. You're going to meet a, a friend of mine, a guest." He's going to come and visit the church, him and his girlfriend. I won't be here. I'm going to be in London. Oh, oh. I left Friday night at 6.15, had service in Austin yesterday, and was back at 10 o'clock last night, and accomplished a whole bunch in just 24 hours. Have you realized how culture has sped our lives up I opened up my remarks to you today that yesterday I did something that I haven't done in years. Started a church service at 3:30 and we dismissed at 6:30 and it felt like a month because I'm programmed to an hour and 10 minutes. Do you remember longer church services? This is what's crazy. It's an hour and 10, and it can't end quick enough for some of us. But our culture has sped it up. I got to drive on a toll road last night. The minimum was 80. 96 was smooth. And then I backed it down a little bit. Fast, fast, fast. And culture has He has a plan. The enemy has a plan. His plan is to speed you up to the point that you're redlining. Culture wants to speed you up to the point that you're going to implode. You're going to implode because you don't think you need any rest. You don't need a Sabbath. You need to work. You don't need a Sabbath. You need to play. You don't need a Sabbath. You need to go. Go, 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 go. go. And the spirit of Baal says, of course, you can take it all alone. You can do this. You can do that. You can be in that. You can be a part of that. Just go, 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 go. But an old path was you need to carve out a first in your life. And you need to give it to God. It needs to be a Sabbath. Not just an it. You need to Sabbath on the Sabbath. And one of the first things you need to do is you need to cease. You need to turn this off and turn this on. Everybody look at me because some of you slept. You missed it. Turn this off. Turn this on. You can't come into this church at 830 without this own, and expect to connect with God. And I know it's hard to turn this off because some of you even have to go to work today because culture's just twisted the Sabbath around. There's ball tournaments on the Sabbath, works on the Sabbath, just, just you name it. It all takes place on the Sabbath, and we no longer have a ceasing in the Sabbath. Here's a, here's a second one. How to keep the Sabbath holy, and that is worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. Not, not sitting and being entertained, but worshiping on your Sabbath. And this is what happens when you do, when you choose to stop this and turn this on in a Sabbath setting where you are active in your Sabbathing, this is what happens. You will be replenished. Jeff Downs, if he can come help me close. Everybody say replenished. Let me tell you what's wrong with the spirit of Baal they'll want you to run on empty. Because if you can run on empty, you'll fight with your spouse. You'll cuss out your kids. You'll hate your preacher. You will be miserable because you're tired. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You're depleted. You are so dry that you're 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 more crusty than last year's bird's nest. You are just parched. And Bell is winning in a lot of homes, even homes in the church. Because when you come, you got so much else you got to still do that you never really came. All you did was show up. If we're going to win at family, everybody, then we're going to have to stop putting ourselves first and putting our family before us. If we're going to win at finances, we're going to have to stop putting ourselves first and put God before us. And if we're going to win at worship, we're going to have to stop putting ourselves and what we have to do and accomplish first. And we're going to have to put Him before us. If we'll truly Sabbath, you'll leave every presence of God, whether it's the worship song in your car, whether it's taking your lunch break and just kind of going to the parking garage and eating a sandwich and just listening to a podcast from the Word of God, or whether it's a small group, or even if it's here on a Sunday, you'll leave replenished. You would have been in the rivers that are refreshing. If you want to win, it's going to take that. Stand with me today. I want to pray this over you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, search our hearts. Search our hearts, God. Our minds drift and our hearts become corroded. Let us be sensitive when we're in your presence. Let us be open and tender when we're in your midst. Let us be, let us be raw where you could truly see us for who we are and minister to us. Holy Spirit, search our hearts and minds. Let us make sure we're taking the old path that leads to rest. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, everyone say, rest. I love you so much, and I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Have a week this week where you carve out time to Sabbath, to worship God. You'll be renewed and refreshed and replenished in Jesus. God bless you. You're dismissed today.